truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And we're back. Yeah. No one was more surprised than we were that our key cards worked again today. The lights came on and we connected with Dallas. I mean, we were, we were kind of shocked actually, but uh, lo and behold, no one else. It is a Christmas miracle. There you go. It's never too early for Christmas, by the way. There Ron was. He's on your left, you know, just coming through. Yes. We were less than 130 days for those of you that are counting. And you know that I am, by the way. All right. Um, and, and yes, we're still pumpkin. We ha- First, we must pumpkin spice all the things. And I'm going to have an update on that later on in the show today. <laughs> I bet you are. Just don't let me forget about that. All right. But, I will. Yes, we were all very surprised to let us back in, but apparently they could find no one else willing to do this. So here we are. 888-933-93. That's the number to the blaze. 888-933-93. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You've already heard from both Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin. Shannon Joy, New York Talk Show host, is here with us as well. She'll be the fourth member of our panel. We've got a feedback Friday to get to a little bit later on after you know the whole pumpkin spice, all the things update. That has to come first. You know this, right? But before all of that, we begin... With the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you are looking to take advantage of a booming real estate market, now is the time to make sure you have an agent that you can trust. Don't use your typical referral service that is really about finding clients for real estate agents. Go to the place that is about finding an agent worthy of having you for a client, where agents have been vetted because they've got a proven track record, because they have a marketing plan other than, how about another open house this Sunday two people will attend, and you'll clean your house top to bottom for no reason for. Let's do that again. Or they will also find agents that will actually return your calls. And, you know, when they say, hey, I'm, I'm always going to give you a 30 minutes heads up if I've got a, a you know, a live one, that 30 minutes, they, they hold on to it. They're not, hey, we're just down the street. Do you mind if we come by when you're trying to, you know, um, get everybody home from school and work in the middle of the evening? Don't let that happen to you because you got a real estate agent that you can trust and you're going to find them at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get to issue one, bleep, Democrats say. America deserved 9-11, dude. I'm saying it. In this country, though we would like to think otherwise, was founded on racism, has persisted through racism, and is racist today. You can and that's one of the reasons why Donald Trump should play the lottery. He's a lucky guy. Country are white men, white men who think like you. That is yes. the greatest terrorist You're right. threat in You're this country. You're absolutely right. It's- As a young girl visiting Palestine to see my grandparents and extended family. I watched as my mother had to go to dehumanizing checkpoints. Denying visit to duly elected members of Congress is not consistent with being an ally and denying millions of people freedom of movement or expression or self-determination is not consistent 
with being a democracy. The purpose behind focusing on this is to try to distract attention from the reality on the ground, which is funded by American but would you tax dollars. Our tax dollars this? blow up the homes of people who cannot get permits to build because they're non-citizens under military law. I can't do this guy has the understanding of foreign policy uh, of like a 12-year-old. What the f is wrong with this dude? Didn't he go to war and like literally lose his eye because some Mujahideen, a brave soldier, f***ed his eye hole with their d Isn't that how he lost his dumbass eye? Because he got his eye hole Wouldn't the Medicare plan, wouldn't that take away our right to bargain for our uh, our medical benefits? Yeah, absolutely it would. Your candidate might be better on, I don't know, healthcare than Joe is. But you've got to look at who's going to win this election. And maybe you have to swallow a little bit and say, okay. We're coming to you live from the Electoral College. Many votes here, as you can see. Very efficient way to choose leadership of the country. Um, I mean, I can't think of any other way, can you? First of all, voter fraud is a myth. It does not exist. People aren't putting on, you know, fake mustaches trying to vote twice. But voter suppression is real. Um, I hate to admit this fact, but I have uncles who voted for Trump. Anyway. Can I ask you something? Did, 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 did you coin Moscow Mitch? Was that? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I actually did. Yes, I did. Well, I that, seems, that, is, that is great lyric writing because it gets something across <laughs> super fast and super poetically where, like most of us would say, something way too long, like guy who won't pass uh, uh, election reform Mitch. And that's not, that doesn't have alliteration. All right, somebody tell me why I'm crazy. What was your favorite amongst this week's Calvacade of Whimsy? We begin, Todd, with you. What was your favorite? Look how you changed Calvacate of Whimsy. You pulled that out after the show we had on Wednesday. I mean, yeah, just you know, I'm just moving I'm, right along. Yeah, it, you know what? I, the pumpkin spice is drawing nigh, and I'm a little more inspired right now. Mine is... It's also a haiku. Go ahead. Actually, I don't know if it is. What is a haiku? I don't <laughs> um, even know what that is. It's a haiku. Thank you. Go ahead, Todd. Joe Biden. Yeah, absolutely. She confirms what I said about... I mean, she's saying my own husband is a safety school. And it's one that we need to start embrace. I mean, th this whole thing about you going uh, to woke wherever it is, just hold on a second here. Slow your roll. Uh, the guy I've been married to, I know this long, and I know there's not much there. Um, but that's the best we can hope for right now. I mean, his, his own spouse is just like, yeah, I know. But love him anyways. It's fantastic. It, it does appear as if she's saying, listen, I've, I've lived them all these years and no one is more yeah. aware <laughs> no of his mediocrity than I am. Disappointed than I am. Yeah, so, I mean, if I've put up with it, I don't know why the rest yeah. of you can't, right? <laughs> I mean, is that, yes. forget politics just as a married dude. As you right. watch that, weren't you like, yeah. honey, you know what? <laughs> Sit this one out. All right, thanks. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And, then, and it's all in... It, uh, it's all emblazoned with the bumper sticker. You know, you're just going to have to swallow it down. Yo. Aaron, your favorite. Yeah, I would say it's Rashida Tlaib saying in that little sentence, when I was a little girl and I went to visit Palestine and uh, my grandmother complained about the inhumane checkpoints. I'm yeah. not really sure what an inhumane checkpoint is, but I am more sure of that than their what, existence than what a Palestine yeah. is. So that was probably <laughs> probably my favorite. She just described the airport. 
Yeah. That's what yes. she, that's inhumane. Yeah, she went, to, I, when I was a little girl, I went to an imaginary place. Where they had inhumane. Where, where they had inhumane checkpoints. checkpoints. Of course, that's also every humanities class in every university in America. Um, Shannon, your favorite. Go ahead. First of all, I am so glad that I don't watch any mainstream media at all because I would stick my head in the oven, I think, if I didn't laugh. I mean, it's, I can't even believe how crazy things have gotten, but I have to go with, I think Ilian Omar and the leftists' obsession with the plight of the illegal immigrant, the illegal immigrant children, the 2,000 children who were separated by their parents, by CPS, and then abused in foster care, and just this obsession by the left, and in some ways the right of, you know, you know everyone but the American citizen, you know, and you have a system in the country today with you know, 400 to 500,000 kids in the foster care system currently, children being seized from their parents. And so just witnessing the transformation of our criminal justice system, law and order, basically affording uh, criminals the status of victim while systematically creating criminals out of parents and grandparents and law-abiding citizens in the form of red flag laws and and CPS abuse in the family court. So I'm going to go with, um, you know, Ilian Omar's obsession with everything but America. I'm glad you went there because it just it just prompted me on something. You tweeted something earlier this week that I thought was was one of the most salient observations, if not the most, I have seen all week long. And I remember saying to myself, you know, I'm a, I need to retweet that later. And then I just got distracted. Later never came. And I totally forgot about it until you just sort of reset it in a way. But you were pointing out the glaring contradiction of on one hand saying, let's just keep killing all these American babies before they're born. While yeah. then complaining, we don't have enough worker bees and taxpayers, so we need to have amnesty and, and mass immigration, that these aren't congruent positions, and that when the left really says that that's what they want, what do they really mean? You, you deciphered this. I want our audience to hear this. Go ahead. Well, the idea, there was a New York Times headline that was, uh, they were, you know, they had their panties in a bunch about the fact that we don't have enough American workers, and this is why we need to make a case for uh, massive immigration. And what they forget is that, you know, the, the idea here, you know, we, we abort, what, 500,000 American babies every year, mostly uh, black and Hispanic, to be honest. And what they want, they don't want more people. They want more uh, socialists. They want to import a, a welfare class, a worker class that is conditioned towards socialism because they want to they want to recreate this country into a new image. And the image mm -hmm. is socialistic, communistic. And so they don't really care about people. They don't really care about anything other than you know their political agenda. And so that's what I was trying to convey with the tweet in that moment. That was that's spot on, right on the money. Perfectly said. Well done. Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to ten, with one being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T level, and ten being uh, as raging and vigorous as Ilan Omar's anti-Semitism, how would you rate this week's level of cray cray, Aaron? Negative integers. You weren't impressed by it. No. Hmm. I thought they upped their game this week. I, I dropped. You did. I dropped down to a six last week. Uh, I'm going to bring it back up a point to seven. Shannon, what are your thoughts? 
Um, I'm, you know, you can't really surprise. Nothing would surprise me, honestly, in the culture that we're in today. So I'm going to give it a, I'll do negative integers as well. There's nothing there. See, I, do you want to know why? Yes, go ahead. It's really hard. Um, it, it kind of, it kind of loses its luster. Bleep Democrats say on, uh, on days that our, our president is openly, um, wondering uh, aloud on Twitter whether his own employee is worse than a communist dictator kind of loses kind of loses its luster when the alternative is that. Well, I, my understanding is Hannity was talking about Hillary's emails last night. Is that how's that? What does that do for you? I'm I sorry that, that I missed it. I haven't it. watched an episode of that in like nine years, but somebody somebody emailed that to me this morning. It may not be true. He said I tried to tune into that last night. I couldn't believe he was talking about Hillary's emails. <laughs> The thing is, even if it's not true, it's still funny because yeah. you believe that it's yep. possibly, it could possibly still be true. Yep. You know, and I may be where you're at right now because I, I found a lot of it just ridiculous. Not, not crazy ridiculous. I mean, that's a ridiculous pitch from a woman that is, this is not the first political race she has been through. I mean, she's been a political animal. She has been in a political marriage for, for decades. And that, that's a ridiculous pitch by Jill Biden. Ridiculous. I, 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 I didn't find it crazy. I just I, I found it ridiculous. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez driving through rural America to say, these people shouldn't count. I, I mean, I just, it, that's just a ridiculous lack of self-awareness. I mean, her, everything she's doing in that clip is proving why we have the Electoral College in the first place, yes. right? But, okay. That's why I'm actually increasing a little bit. It's so patently absurd yet being taken seriously that i mean we're not we kept the old us thought that oh come on these people are a joke and people are, that's the thing they don't see through the joke anymore that and that's why they are going full-on crazy moonbeam nuts yet well, it, that's an old school reference uh, i like well, it but it's alive todd yeah. but Holy it is cow. the moonbeam is mainstream now yeah. it's the moonbeam is mainstream now way more mainstream than any of us are comfortable you look at those polls where, I mean, yeah, it's Trump's grading persona, but it's also all of this stuff in light of those polls we're seeing that anybody beats them. It's just, it's accepting this instead of Trump's persona. They, just like a bunch of people just kind of look the other way at Trump, a lot of people just kind of, they don't see this as a joke. They just see this as something that's now part of the the, the water that we've got to swim in. So maybe I'm being conditioned then. I get exposed well, to this I, so much. I'm not, that that, oh, I, that no it, it takes it's it's take a, yeah. a lot no more to impress yep. me. Is that what you're saying? There's no yeah, question. Yeah, it's a day by that. day. Ba- I to- you nailed it because right it doesn't there. even this this might have seemed crazy to me three or four months ago, but yeah. now it just seems ridiculous. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Or yesterday, depending on how things oh, be, the, the tweets that are said. I know. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, let's get to issue two. Speaking of ridiculous, sixteen nineteen. The New York Times announced and released this week what they're calling the 1619 Project, 1619 being the first year that slave ships entered the New World. The thesis of the project is, quote, a major initiative from the New York Times observing the 400th anniversary of the beginning of American slavery. It aims to reframe the country's history, understanding of 1619 as our true founding, and placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the story we tell ourselves about who we are. The project is bookmarked with essays like Our Democracy's Founding Ideals Were False When They Were Written, Black Americans Have Fought to Make Them True. 
If you want to understand the brutality of American capitalism, you have to start on the plantation. Myths about the physical racial differences were used to justify slavery and are still believed by doctors today. America holds on to an undemocratic assumption from its founding that some people deserve more power than others. For centuries, black music has been the sound of artistic freedom. No wonder everybody's always stealing it. What does a traffic jam in Atlanta have to do with segregation? Quite a lot. And why doesn't the United States have universal health care? The answer begins with policies enacted after the Civil War. Those are a selection of the myriad of essays published in the 1619 Project, each one seeking to associate every corner of Americana with systemic racism and roots with slavery. In completely unrelated news, a New York Times editor apologized this week for past tweets in which he referenced racial stereotypes and anti-Semitism, including one tweet where he said, quote, I was going to say crappy Jew year, but one of my resolutions is to be less anti-Semitic. So happy Jew year, you Jews, end quote. So here's what I want to do with this conversation. By now, we've picked all this apart from our perspective coming at this from the right. All right. I, I want to help our audience to understand what what is the what's the end game and intention of the people who are peddling this. As in what what do they think they are doing? I, I think you have to know your enemy because I, I think at this point now we have devolved past opponents. We're past opposition here. This is malfeasance, hostility. These are these are your enemies. They they they're declaring war on you. So what's the end game? Uh, up for the left by going here out they've been here for most of my career as long as i can remember they've been here well we call it now the blogosphere but you know you'd get your david corns would appear on crossfire or hannity and comb you know those kinds of guys they've had their commentators and punditries on their fringes kind of here for a while but but now that the new york times is saying we're willing to invest whatever is left of, of, of our awning and, and branding and letterhead into going here now. It's, not, it's no longer the places for the, for the new republics and the voxes and the slates and salons. But we're going here now within the, the hallowed halls uh, of the upper echelons of, of the American left. Why? What, what, what do they think they're doing, Todd? Full-on revolution. Uh, we, uh, our founding fathers revolted against King George, uh, crazy King George. This is crazy King George, uh, reversing that and revolting against us. And here pop culture is right here when we need it. I mean, this is not when they say in the words that our, uh, 1776, that's not our real founding. It's 1619. This is, this is their Thanos snap. And and they are lecturing you in terms of like remember oh they they resent me but I I'm the only one what's that speech he gives in uh, the in, uh, Infinity War where he says I'm the only one who had the will to the, who could see it or the, mm-hmm. and the will to follow through on it and he's like these people have known nothing but full bellies a belly since then except my version of reality I, honestly we we are we're that we're not we we're not just guessing about what's going to come maybe tomorrow maybe the next day. We are in the middle of it right now, and they're telling you with no shame whatsoever. Uh, it's totally out in the open now, and it's amazing to behold. Shannon, what would they say if we injected them with Sony and Pentothal, some truth yeah. serum? What yeah. would they say their end game is? 
this is a, a gutting of our national identity. It's a gutting of our founding principles. And the purpose is to empty us out as a vessel so that we can be filled with new ideas, their new ideas, which are totalitarian in nature and socialistic, communistic in nature. And so they, knew, they need to do this. New York Times has an enormous reach and they tend to drive the narrative of, of other media outlets. In addition, you guys might not know this, but this uh, 1619 program also has an educational curriculum. Yep. And so this is now all, all already being pushed in schools. I'm not surprised at this by all be, at all because I've been following education in our schools for many years in terms of Common Core. And you go back to Howard Zinn's A History of the United States of America. You go back to the A-Push U.S. history standards that are compliant with Common Core. All of this is about emptying, you know, I. I'll tell a little, I was, I pledged a sorority when I was in college and I lasted like three days and then I quit because I thought it was stupid. But the, when you think about pledging a sorority, pledging a fraternity, even in, in the military in some aspects, there is a conditioning process that happens during hazing. And in hazing, what they do is they break you down, they berate you, they belittle you, they make you question everything about your upbringing, everything about your beliefs, and they do that in a consistent way until you are so empty that you're begging to be full or filled with something else. And that is the nature of, and, and then you can accept their ideas, you're no longer an individual, you're no, no longer your own being, you are a part of something bigger in a group, and now you identify with that group or that new way of, of thinking. And this is insidious, I see, this is in classrooms, this is in teacher trainings, this is in corporate trainings, the, the white privilege curriculum is federally funded, it is rolled out throughout the country from the very bottom to the very top. And so this is why the problem here is that there is absolutely no resistance to this. We are so focused with national politics and, and fighting with the Democrats that conservatives, traditionalists, constitutionalists do not realize that this is infesting every area of our life, corporate, institutional, our hospitals, our schools. And so this is when Americans need to get in. You need to get into your school board, you need to get on your town boards, and you need to fight back against this narrative because it's everywhere. Wow. Well said. Aaron. I think that the revolution is is already over. Hmm. And this is this is more along the lines of a papal encyclical. That I really yeah. do believe that that is what wow. this is because of that. Yeah. Because of, of what uh, Shannon just said. I mean, what is an encyclical? It's one of the highest forms of communication within the within the Catholic Church. It's a letter sent out. I believe you can correct me. Talk, letter sent out from the Pope to the bishops on a certain area of teaching, and that's what this is. I mean, you don't you don't if you're fighting a revolution, you don't bother trying to redefine your country. If you've already won, the what's what's the saying go? The uh, the the two, you know, history the is history, written by the winners. History is written or written by the winners. Yeah. So this is akin to a an act of worship, but even above that, this is an encyclical. This is this is new uh, theology for the progressive um, cult of the sage, and that's and this is to be followed. And if you do not follow this, you are not a good little progressive. That's that's what this really is. I think. I think that analogy yeah, is perfect, and it actually ties right into what you were just saying, Shannon. And I, you you brought up something I tried to articulate to our audience about this earlier this week. If you don't work in media, you don't know, you wouldn't understand this, especially because the vast majority of Americans don't read the New York Times. 
And then the vast majority of the majority of the majority of the majority of anybody who would ever watch a show like ours doesn't rate it. Okay. You know, and so you don't really understand that other than the Associated Press, the, the source, the, the, the cue. Um, this is the New York Times is the, if we're going to keep up with encyclical and uh, analogies to Catholic tradition, this is the didache of the American left media is the New York Times. You know, this is, so if they are declaring, if they're putting a marker down, that this is where they're going. And the vast majority of people, say you live in St. Louis, Missouri, the majority of the, of the young people and editors and writers that you, and copy editors that you have there want to eventually go work for a place like the New York Times. They don't want to stay at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. They think you're some, even a great city like St. Louis, you're some backwater hick town. I saw this when I worked at the Des Moines Register 20 years ago, let alone when you were there just even a few years ago. All right. The, the New York, the, the, it's the end game. Working at a place like the New York Times is like coming to work for a place like the Blaze or Fox if you're in conservative media. It's like going to work for ESPN if you're in sports media. It's the end game arrival. And so if, if, if you're one of these liberal newsrooms around America, and you weren't you weren't quite willing yet because you're in you're in um, Charleston, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. These kinds of places where you're definitely more liberal than the rest of the community, but you still need your subscriber base as this community. And there's some places you just won't go because you don't crap where you live business wise. Well. Your goal is to not be writing at, 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 at a newspaper in Oklahoma City five or ten years from now, but to be to be at the New York Times. And so, if the if if the if the end goal, this is why when ESPN went woke, a bunch of other sports media went woke too, and places lost all kinds of their business. Why did they follow ESPN's lead in a disastrous business plan? Because most people working at SB Nation. Don't want to work at SB Nation or Bleacher Report. They're fine working there as opposed to someplace else. But where do they really want to they work? They aspire to work. Yeah, ESPN. they aspire to work to ESPN. And so if this is where the place is the end goal in the industry is going. We are going to conform how we're doing things because that's, that gets us to what our end goal is here. And so if the, if the New York Times says this is the papal encyclical to go to Shannon's point, I think you have no idea if you don't work in this industry or follow that kind of media. All the rest of this is going to fall in line. All of it eventually will. If the New York Times stays with this, because that's who they ultimately want to conform to and work for. Not the readers in their local communities that they even think in a place, they even think Austin, Texas isn't progressive and left enough. Let's get to the exit question. Will the New York Times be successful with this by their own definition of the word? Shannon. Shannon. Yes, if the Republican uh, Party conservative movement does not wake the hell up, this is where we're going. They're going to replace all of our founding principles, Declaration of Independence, Constitution, you name it, and uh, we're going to lose our country. Aaron. Absolutely. Todd. Yeah, the fact that they can say it out loud yep. so confidently is proof that it's already successful. At, at the very least, the fact that they're saying it out loud is proof that the assertion we've been making on this show all this year there is a cold civil war happening. There are two vastly different countries here. There is the left America versus whatever is left of America. 
At the very least, it proves that, doesn't it? Oh, yes. The fact that they are openly willing to go there, the fact that they're willing to do, as we pointed out earlier, if we're using Avengers and MCU references, this was their, this was them at the end credit scene of Avengers Age of Ultron, where Thanos grabs the gauntlet and says, yeah. fine, I'll do it myself. I mean, if you fringy characters can't pull this off, then we'll take care of it. We'll, the adults will step in now and finish off what's ever left of that foreign country over there in the, in the flyover lands, right? Yes. At the very least, we're there. At the very least, we're there. Good stuff. Well, it's not. The conversation was good. This is not good stuff. Hey, if you're trying to get healthier, win that battle against your bulge, but eh, you're struggling with those portion sizes and craving controls because you're learning that it's not what you're eating, but how much. That's where Riduzone comes in. Riduzone wants to boost this thing in your body called OEA. It's supposed to be a signal that goes from your gut to your brain that lets the brain know when you're full from the gut so the brain does its thing from there with your metabolism and all of your other stuff, okay? Unfortunately, for various reasons, for too many of us, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be. And that's where Riduzone comes in. If you get yourself a bottle, at Riduzone.com and turn over the label, you're going to see it's not loaded with a bunch of ingredients and chemicals and stimulants. It's got three ingredients, uh, and the overwhelmingly main ingredient is OEA, all right? So if you want to try Riduzone, use Steve as a promo code, and you go to the website, they'll give you a special offer to see if this is what's been missing in you winning the battle against your bulge, all right? Riduzone.com, that's the website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. We're going to come back and talk Trump and the economy. Is he trying to actually wreck it? Next. All right, back here on our weekly roundtable, our weekly look at the week that was. Steve Dace, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre, New York talk show host, Shannon Joy. Let's get to issue three. Recession. Fear-mongering or something to fear. Talks of recession are heating up. Recession jitters. President Trump said to be rattled as economic alarm bells cause a wild week on Wall Street. There are indicators that the U.S. could be headed for a recession. There are some rough waters ahead, maybe a recession. Fears of a coming recession spiked on the heels of a key economic indicator, what's called an inverted yield curve. The yield curve has inverted every before every U.S. recession since 1955. They say potential recession on the horizon. Recession, 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 recession. In the past two weeks, talk of something called an inverted yield curve have caused numerous economic analysts to predict a looming economic downturn. An inverted yield curve happens in an interest rate environment in which long-term debt instruments have a lower yield than short-term debt instruments of the same credit quality. The same thing happened in 2005, 2006, and 2007 before the market eventually collapsed in 2008. Larry Kudlow, the director of the United States National Economic Council, said this week he's not too worried. Well, I'll tell you what, I sure don't see a recession. We had some blockbuster uh, retail sales consumer numbers uh, towards the back end of last week, really blockbuster numbers. And in fact, um, despite a lot of worries with the volatile stock market, 
most economists on Wall Street towards the end of the week have been marking up their forecasts. Mm-hmm. But with tensions continuing to rise with Trump's tariff war with China and with the inverted yield curve, it seems there's good reason to be nervous. So we've got some breaking, late breaking news on this since Aaron put this thing together. And, and I guess I could just sum it up by saying that the, the president just lost his bowels. I, I don't know how else to put it. I, I just, I mean, just another unpresidential Twitter tirade. And rather than add my own commentary, let me share with you some, an email I just received from a really good friend of mine. And I won't use his name. And the reason I won't is because it's possible too many people listening and watching right now aren't adults. And um, he'll be accused of hating America. And um, uh, he's trying to help the Democrats win. Okay, Even though this guy is about as right wing as it gets. He has been a very successful professional wealth advisor uh, for decades, all right? Um, studying markets and how to invest and where his clients should invest and where he invests his own money is what he does. And right now, he is in a panic, in a panic between a, an unwinnable trade war and now you want to start an unwinnable war with your own Fed because they're not manufacturing the economy enough for you. We're not artificially inseminating the economy enough. And, and a point that I've been trying to make since we went to this tariff war is that when you're, you're, you're not really having an economic battle. This is why tariffs are an obsolete instrument. All right. The reason why tariffs are an obsolete instrument is the reason why terms like neocon and and preemptive war are obsolete instruments. Because we're not we're not fighting the Soviets for hegemony in Western Europe anymore. We're not we're not coming at this from people that largely come from a lot of the same grains of cultural DNA just from opposite ends and fighting over control of the same lands of the people with the same cultural DNA have been fighting over, um, you know, uh, since Rome fell and various incursions for centuries. These are holistically different cultures. Freedom and democracy doesn't mean the same thing in Afghanistan that it meant to the Poles. P-O-L-E-S. Freedom and democracy doesn't mean the same thing to the Iraqis that it means to the people of Bulgaria. It just uh, totally different cultures, religions, uh, presuppositions about human nature, free will. You just just can't just, you know, put in a flash drive and then go to Google Translate and take a democracy and translate it from English to Arabic and and just plug it into their culture and instant zeitgeist and it works. And the same thing is here if you're going to compete like this on an economic scale. Because you have a temporal president trying to leverage... A government that if it just decides, you know, we don't feel like getting 90% of the vote next week, so we're just going to cancel the election altogether. Thanks. No one to stop them. They have no accountability with their own people. there's There's no internal political mechanism at all. And if you want to say, hey, we're not going to buy your cheap goods and stuff anymore, they're like, okay, then we'll just go to the Iranians and our satellite state, North Korea, and Russia, and we'll just have them buy it all, and we'll just cut you totally out of the deal. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's no leverage here. I'm just saying, though, taxing your own people to get leverage on them isn't going to work. And you can almost feel the panic in the way the president responded to this today on Twitter 
almost as if he realizes, crap, I'm going to lose. Okay? And the sooner he does realize that, by the way, I think the better off we're all going to be. Because we're not playing a game of economic theory. You're playing a game of socio-political leverage. You don't have any real consumer-to-consumer leverage against the Shycoms. They can do whatever they want to their own people. They can tax them however they want. They can build them however they want. They can make, they forcibly make them abort their own children whenever they want. You can't, this isn't a consumer-to-consumer, market-to-market competition, folks. Which is why when we attempt to engage them as if they're us, we're going to be the ones that take the brunt of this. All right, we're just not going to buy U.S. ag exports anymore. Screw you. And I'm not, President Z is not looking at Rasmussen polls. Hey, I'm up to 49 and a half percent. They don't do polls in China. They do tanks. You guys got a problem? No? Then we're good here. This was never going to work. I, was, I, I tried to warn you. I was willing to give it a shot. Just because most of you want me to. Because you just want to be told that he's the hostess with the mostest all the time. But this was never going to work. For all the reasons I told you for the last two years. This was never going to work. Because we're not having an economic fight. You're having, a, you're having a socio-political one. And when you're up against a regime that doesn't have the same socio-political mores than you do, you can't economically leverage them. You can only militarily leverage them. That's why at first I was like, okay, maybe I get this whole North Korea thing. We're going to do to them like we did with China and the Soviets in the 70s. We're going we're to create like a third market. But we're not doing that, actually. We're basically just begging Un to stop using, to stop building nuclear weapons. And instead of giving them pallets of cash, as we did under Clinton, Bush, and Obama, what we're doing now is we're giving them pallets of love letters via Twitter. But it's the same effect. Now you guys get to tell me I'm wrong about this. Go. Um, he, I think, well, the question is, are there, what, at least 50-50 odds? Yeah, I forgot my question. Yeah. True or false? There's at least 50-50 odds of a recession between now and the 2020 election. I think it's false. Um, and this has to do with uh, the information you're getting from your trusted source notwithstanding. Uh, whether or not we can trust all the information about fancy terms like inverted yield curves across the board from a media. Inverted yield curve, I told yeah, you guys two yeah, days yeah. ago. We've, had all kind, we've been having inverted yeah. yield curves all the time. Why? Because we've been a debtor nation post-World War II this entire time. So we've had all kinds of inverted yield curves that didn't lead to a recession. Yeah. That's a canard. Okay. But my uh, most of what I want to say ultimately has to do uh, with your exit question. But the lack of believability of the information we've just been discussing all week, along with what we just discussed about the propaganda in the form of sixteen nineteen that is writ large throughout the media, I think while there are reasons to be concerned, they are all going to be turned up to eleven by a media Bill Maher esque who wants this to happen. Yeah, I, I didn't base any of that on my own position. Correct. Honestly. I'm only I'm reacting to him. Well, yeah, I'm and, reacting to him only, okay? I don't care about any of that stuff. All the stuff you saw in the montage is all garbage. Don't research inverted yield curves. That they, Martha, what's her name? Restetter, or whatever the hell her name, Raditz. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's like she's reading a Wikipedia page. Um, it says here, there's been a, let me f- phonetically sound this up. They don't know what the hell they're talking about, all right? I'm reacting to him. Right. He's, he's, 
There, he's well, not projecting any confidence whatsoever. He's in a panic over the fact he couldn't get the Fed to give him even more of a manufactured economy than he already has. I think that you should leapfrog to the exit question because I think that's the interesting conversation about the advice we'd give. I mean, after we say, okay. you know, I think it's false because I do think it's less than 50-50. Shannon, I want to give you a chance to respond to what I said before we go to the exit question. Go ahead. Well, I agree with you completely, and I would. Um, I don't think we're looking at re- recession. I think we might be looking at a full-scale depression worldwide. And there's a great video from Ray Dalio, who is the CEO of Bridgewater, the largest hedge fund company in the entire world. And it, it's fascinating. He's talking about 100-year trends that are occurring right now, major, major economic cultural shifts. And, and all of that has to do with debt spending. It has to do with over-regulation and the growth of government, and and it has to do with a command and control economy. And this is why I have said from the beginning of the Trump administration, unless he addresses spending, unless he reduces government intervention and slashes the federal government, unless he gets this country on sound fiscal ground, there is nothing he can do to protect this economy. I don't know if we're going to be looking at a crash or something sudden and quick, but it could be some type of managed decline. It could be just the this, this slow burn. Listen, the Trump economy does not look different than the, uh, the Obama economy in, in, in many ways. Aside from the GDP, the stock market, and unemployment, those are the only figures you'll ever hear Republican or conservative um, you know, heads talking about in terms of the economy. Those are the three most manipulated figures that you can ever imagine by the Federal Reserve and the people who control this economy. So these indicators are telling us a false story. And quite frankly, they're the same trend that we saw during the Obama administration. They're not any different. And they're the same indicators that the left used to convince us or to convince their people that we were coming out of the recession and the housing crash in 2008, 2009. And so the, the, the anchor on all of this it is regulation, debt and deficit, and massive amounts of government spending. President Trump's ca- tax cuts might have helped a little bit, but he's completely wiped out all of those benefits with this tariff taxation and the, ta- and the tariff war. And so he is single-handedly, single-handedly, he is the one, it is not Congress passing tariffs. It isn't, uh, you know, courts and judges that are passing tariffs. This is Trump's. It's around his neck. And I think that this economy is so controlled right now that, quite frankly, they could crash it anytime they want. And I, I can imagine, unless they are happy with what Trump is doing, and he has been quite progressive, but I could see them pulling, you know, pulling this out before the 2020 election. So what I hear you saying is, give it because I agree with almost everything you said. Okay, I, I've I've always believed global depression's not going to happen, but that's a whole other show. Yeah. As to but but everything else you just said is correct. Okay, in, in my view, what I hear you saying, therefore, is it's a pretty bad idea if you got a completely manufactured economic boom to call the guy who's managing it for you worse than Kim Jong Un. Probably that's not a good shrewd play. You think probably give him give him some reasons to crash your economy like you know 20 days before the election you think is that what i hear you saying that that might be well, a, a a bush league play too monetary policy i mean all right. of this has to do with the printing of money the deflation of the dollar i mean we are in a completely manipulated economy in 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 every way imaginable and so the only way to address it this is why i, I was i was ringing the alarm bell when when president trump first came into office you know, forget about what you've ever done before and and slash the spending, audit the Fed, abolish the Federal Reserve. You mean all I the mean, stuff that he talked about during the primary? 
He wanted yeah. to do that stuff? Yeah, because he talked about all that. He said a lot of things during the primary, though. Let's get to the exit question. What one piece of economic advice would you give President Trump if you knew he would take it, and it was something he could unilaterally do without Congress? What one piece of advice? Todd, go. Well, I want to echo what uh, Shannon just said. Do those at least tariffs? At least they're a paradigm shift. Whether you think they're going to work or not, he's he's. I'm not playing by the old rules anymore. But by going with the currency manipulation, he's like giving the old rules a big warm hug. And he's the guy in that picture who goes out on a, an actual tree limb and then he starts sawing the limb behind him. That's what he's doing now. He's philosophically untethered to w just go for it in some fashion or forget about this tariff. By the way. I want, to re I want to reject the premise that tariffs are a paradigm shifter. With all due respect, oh, well, it they're, is. they're the that's an old trick that got that. I mean, that's like oh, that's, it, that's like a I'm flat not, Earth no, society no, 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 thing. Okay. No, well, we've already discussed that. Actually, we've thrown out the notion that it is, but it's it's a paradigm shift in terms of uh, what's more in in terms of recent memory, currency manipulation. Or I'm not defending tariffs, mm -hmm. but it, it, and I'm going it, it, tariffs are in line with the kind of things Shannon just got done talking about. You know, you. If you're going to do something different, go for it and do yeah, it. Instead punitive. of this this tariff thing is just, yeah. it's different, but it's kind of like, it's gimmicky. It's definitely gimmicky. In other words, if, you're, if you want to yeah. try to leverage the Shycoms and you're like, yeah, except yeah. we're going to pull it, we're not going to do it during Christmas shopping season. Right. Why? Because here, here's yes. the thing. You know, we've talked about on the abortion issue. I know, I know we're late. This is a very important point, and I don't know how many other shows are going to make this point, so we're going to make it. On the abortion issue, we have pointed out why do abortionists keep telling us what a difficult decision this is? Right. It would only be a difficult decision if they recognize in their own conscience they're killing a human life, right? right? Did you guys pick up last week when the Trump administration said that they were going to postpone the latest round of tariffs until well into the Christmas shopping season? Because they didn't want to yeah. do anything to hurt the Christmas shopping season. If tariffs are, yes. folks, that if tariffs are hurting your, the, 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 your, your opponent and not, and not your own people, why would you need to put them off in order to avoid killing your own Christmas shopping season? Well, because it's what you said. It's not an economic thing. It's, That's it's exactly a, it's, right. It's a leverage change. But is it true or false? If, if Who's you, he leveraging? If you did tariffs along with all the vital things Shannon is talking about, would they have a greater or lesser chance of doing accomplishing something? I don't... I, I, they would have a greater chance, undeniably. Whether it's a good thing... From 2 to 4%. And the reason well, why is the socioeconomic can, conditions don't... You can't tariff China. They can do whatever they want to their own people. They, they canceled Christmas on their own people. Their people don't know what a Christmas is. They don't know what a Christmas is in Beijing. We are, we, but we put, off our, we put off the tariffs because it will ruin our Christmas shop, shopping season where most of the commerce is conducted in this country in a given time. Be, be, You'd only have to do yeah. that if you're tacitly admitting that your only people you're hurting by doing this really are your own. You know what I really think is yes. happening? I'll tell you what I really think is happening. I think you have a guy with, I'll just tell you, a year of no BS, and I don't care how many of y'all I alienate, I just don't care, all right? You have a guy with narcissistic personality disorder that just want, who looks up, I'm the chosen one, who just, who just, yeah. who's just randomly, yeah. randomly looking for, for, for trophies. And there's no plan, and there's no strategy, right. and there never freaking has been. And the shy comms originally were like, whoa, this guy's a, a bat out of hell. And now they're like, this guy we're just, is, a, is a clown show, and we're just going to wait his ass out yep. while we roll the tanks through downtown Hong Kong here. And, and he tells us, hey, just uh, you know, go gentle and put a condom on it before you do it, okay? They've figured out there's no there there. And so while, while, the, while the Paul Mall smoking Fox News crowd thinks that they're really changing the world here, they're laughing in Beijing. 
laughing. Do you know what they did when they heard that Wilbur Ross come out last week, who might be the dumbest cabinet appointment I've seen in my lifetime? Like Rex Tillerson called and said, that guy just sucks at everything. Every time he's on camera, it's bad. Every time. How did he become a billionaire? I'm insulted when I go home at night and have to meet a mortgage. How did this guy get rich? Every time he talks, it's bad. Has there ever been a good Wilbur Ross interview? Guys, find me. Has there been one? No. Is the, I'll answer no. And so what happened when they saw Wilbur Ross go out there, tongue you know, tail tucked between the legs and say, yeah, we're going to postpone the tariff war because of, over Christmas break, we don't want to hurt our own consumers. You know what they said over in Beijing? Checkmate. Gotcha. That's exactly, she's right. Checkmate. She's exactly right. Gotcha. Because you can't leverage a regime that doesn't have any of the same political or market forces you do. That like with political and market forces, you only leverage them with military hegemony. That's the only way. That's the only way we used to know this. In fact, you know, when I got into this damn business, we were the movement that pointed this out to America. And every time we did, we won elections by pointing this out. We're now making all of Bernie Sanders arguments and calling it conservatism. It's a damn joke. We're not woke, we're broke. Get the hell out of this before it's too late. Because you took my tax cut and everybody else watching that gave you your economic boon and erased it with this garbage. Enough! It's stupid. And stop apologizing for it. Shannon, we have to get to a break. Can you stick around for just a few more minutes so we can finish up the rest of our schedule? Absolutely. All right, and we we will do that when we come back here. We've got one more issue to get to, plus our predictions. On the Dace Group. Stay tuned. All right, we are back again with Hour 2, live and on demand here on The Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. If you are listening to the podcast today, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, that's if you like the show. Don't lie if you don't, but if you do, maybe embellish all the more because the more of those we get on the podcasting platform that you uh, prefer, uh, the more likely their algorithms are to help us find more people like you, which it makes it more likely we get to sit here and continue to annoy you. 888-900-3393 is the number. Thanks to all of you who have left us those five-star reviews, by the way. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. They want to warn you that the Amazon Capital One breach has now hit 106 million of us have had our datas and information uh, stolen. Home addresses, banking information exposed. Forget about credit card fraud. The real danger nowadays is what's called home title fraud if you're a home owner. Because what's happened now is these scammers have realized that a lot of our mortgages and home titles are kept online and databases that they can hack. And now with a data breach like this, maybe they can't get a credit card in your name anymore if you've got identity theft protection. But what they can do now is, is they kind of know a maiden name, last four digits of a soch, um, you know, the, the, your, whatever your security question answer is when you go to these uh, websites that you have to log on to identify yourself with these third-party sites to say, yes, it's me. They've got that information now. They take out loans against your home after they take your name off it and put their name on. And they cash in on your equity while sticking you with the payments, your insurance, bank, mortgage, loan company, identity theft protection can't protect you from this. But for pennies a day, our friends at Home Title Lock will. In fact, 
when you've got a data breach of this magnitude, the first 60 days are key because usually by past that point, uh, the breach has been closed. Okay. So they try to strike while the iron is hot, which is why we're offering you today 60 risk-free days of protection for your home, 60 risk-free days of protection for your home at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Uh, let's bring back in Shannon, Todd, and Aaron. And let's get to issue four as we finish up the day's group because I had some points I thought that I needed to make in the last segment. Let's get to issue four. I forgot what it is. What's trending? What do Nikolai Carpathia and sex robots have in common? Nothing, except they were both trending on Twitter this week. That's right, hashtag Antichrist and hashtag sex robot gripes were both trending for some reason this week. But in the annals of Twitter trending history, however, few stand out more than the weird obsession with a teenage Target employee named Alex. Hashtag Alex from Target trended and the person in question gained about 300,000 followers in a little less than 24 hours. Or the weird hashtags The Dress and Yanni Laurel where people were at each other's digital throats over the color of a dress and the sound of a word. Or what about in 2012 when Sue's anal bum party trended? I spent five years of my life trying to invent an anal bum cover. <laughs> Failing to do so is my greatest regret. It ended up being a PR stunt that went horribly awry to promote Susan Boyle's newest album. Anywho, we're only left with the deepest recesses of our imaginations to come up with what'll trend next. So amidst all of that weird, uh, for our kicker topic this week, what's the weirdest thing you'd like to see trending number one in the world today and why, Todd? Uh, well, it's not weird in and of itself, but I'd love to see hashtag Watergate or hashtag Nixon trending this far out of time because it would be trending because Donald Trump would resign from office. <laughs> I'm, you know I'm there. Same energy today. You know, you, you know what? We, we, we are, we're trying to rehabilitate Nixon now. There's this thing on the right now. Watergate wasn't that bad. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making this up. This is like this was going on like a few weeks ago, and I'm like, so why? Why? I, I would love to see the resetting of the deck. That just would have to be happy if he mercurially just like one day rose garden ceremony is like, oh, good, good grief, what's he going to be talking about I, next? I, I, yeah, I'm out of here, guys. Just for that was fun, and just everybody like, what? I have I have several friends whose opinions I trust immensely and some of them our names our audience would know more than likely maybe not probably yeah now i think about it who privately have told me in recent weeks they that and they think that's their best shot to win next year is him to do exactly what you just said they just will never say it publicly because they just don't want to put up with the hate on social media and everything else so they're just keeping that opinion to themselves. Aaron, what's the weirdest thing that you'd like to see trending on social media? Oh, boy. I, I would say probably something along the lines of uh, uh, Badger football is canceled. Some sort of scandal. Nice. I like it. Scandal well, hits uh, the well Wisconsin played. Badgers. Well played. I, I like it. it. I like it. Todd tries to go for some moral high ground, and Aaron just kneecaps him yep. right after that. I like I, it. And I respect that. You should respect it. I that, that was something. There was there was almost kind of a backward recognition of the dude code with that, right? I respect how yeah. I live rent free in his head. I do. Ah, that was good. I like that too. It's on now, Shannon. What weird thing would like would you like to see trending? Well, I think I'm going to have to go with unibrow because I've been trying to get that damn term trending on Twitter <laughs> forever. 
<laughs> I tweet it all the time. And I feel like that I will have arrived. If, if that term, if people realize the Democrat and Republican parties are exactly the same, a nasty, gnarly, disgusting unibrow, then I'll feel like everything I've done up until this point was worth it. So... So that's what I want, unibrow. All right, Let, let's get to predictions. Uh, your prediction this week, Shannon, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Okay, so everything is so crazy. And with the transgender madness and the redefinition of terms, I think the next hot thing is going to be otherkin, which is essentially people who do not identify as human. So it's like trans speciesism. They identify as dogs or cats or lizards or even robots. That's transhumanism. So I think that's going to be the next new hot thing on the horizon. All right. I, there's not much I won't buy at this point. Not much. Aaron. The uh, national champion in college football will be neither Clemson nor Alabama. Hmm. All right. Todd. This weekend, big game, Florida-Miami, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going with Florida. Going with Florida. So uh, I'm... Spider-Man, my prediction, is not leaving the MCU anytime soon. Oh, I know all the headlines and everything out there. I don't. I think this is all posturing and public negotiation, similar to what we saw in 2017, 2018 about the, the, uh, the Marvel or the Disney Fox deal. How many times? Oh, they fell through again. X-Men and Fantastic Four and they're going over to the MCU. It fell through. I think this is all posturing. Now you got Sony saying, well, you know, we were willing to go up to 25%. This is, I think we're going to have to recognize that in this era of media and social media, particularly when you're dealing with, with properties that have cult-like followings, and in this case, I don't mean that, it can mean a religious connotation, but you know, like a cult classic or you know, niche audiences that are very loyal, you're going to try to leverage them as much as you can because if you can get somebody's stock to go down a couple of points, you get an interest because of what's going on in social media and you get a couple of nervous board members, suddenly you might get some leverage there with a negotiating play. All right. So um, I, I don't think that Spider-Man will leave the MCU anytime soon. And this is all public posturing. It'll go on probably a few more weeks or months. Yeah, I think I think Bob Iger. Uh, I think somebody needs to get inside his, you know, in, in his ear and say, "You need to slap some tariffs on Sony at this <laughs> point because that's that's talk about negotiating tactic. That's that's you know, going to work. You know what would be funny is if somebody put together because the Democrats can't do it because this is their trade policy. This is this this is this is the stuff they've believed for decades. They believe this stuff. Okay, you know, I got into this business arguing against these 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 notions and theories that don't work and have been proven so historically. What would be funny though is if somebody on the right with some creativity, like I could see Crowder doing this with his team. All right, doing a parody of um, Beyonce's. If you like it, put a ring on it. Mm. If you like it, if you don't like it, slap a tariff on it. Yep. And just like tear like everything you don't like is just tariff everything in everything that annoys you tariff everything. Tariff, you know, Juan Williams on Fox too much for, for Trump's liking. Tariff on Fox. Just tariff everything. What do you think? You guys like that? I like it. If you don't like it, put a tariff on it. Shannon, thank you for joining us and being patient. Good to see you as always. Thank you. All right, take care. So, we're going to get to Feedback Friday, but I, I, I think I need to make a couple of follow-up points to the rant I had at the end of the last hour to provide some historical context. When a country, when you declare a country a currency manipulator, number one, don't do that lightly. In fact, let me go back a step. Let me go back a step. If you found out somebody else 
was jacking with your bank account and manipulating the balances, jacking with your portfolio and, and manipulating um, what its value and ROI. How would you receive that? A, a simple act of market competition. B, they're, uh, they're messing with your livelihood, man. So this is an act of war. How would you receive that, do you think? The latter. The latter. Aaron, what do you think? Do everything in my power to make it stop. Correct. Right. We are essentially accusing China of this. We haven't done this in decades where the country declared them a currency manipulator. Why? Because it's a really serious charge. I mean, if global markets depend on some honor code. All right. So, so what is, how do you have an honor code when, as I pointed out before, you've got all these regimes with different economic uh, or different political um, uh, paradigms. Some that are uh, dictatorships like, uh, like Russia. Some that are oligarchies like China, Iran. Some that are republics like the United States. Some that are parliamentary democracies like a lot of the countries in the EU. Okay? So how do you, when you've got all these various paradigms and you're going to have a global marketplace, there needs to be some honor code where everybody agrees. Like, this is like, the, like a Geneva Convention in, in conventional war. These are places we all agree we will not go. Because the collateral damage of doing so collapses this entire arrangement and leads to mutually assured destruction, right? Mm-hmm. Currency manipulation in a global market is that place. This is now where you're saying, we don't want to just economically gain an advantage over you. It's a global marketplace. We're not just trying to beat you in a global marketplace. We are now imposing our sovereign will on yours. Because the, the, the two most dominant powers any government can have is the ability to raise an army and an ability to coin money. And if someone else comes in and says they can mess with your ability to coin money or what that coin is worth, they are, this is a form of warfare. It's, it's, a, it's an act of war. To, to impose on someone else's currency to the level we're accusing the Shycoms. I have no problem with calling them a currency manipulator. I have no problem with it. I have no problem going, I'm not, by the way, a free trade absolutist. I'm not. I, think, I, don't, I don't believe things like NAFTA in the end were good deals for the American people as they were ultimately played out. I'm not a protectionist either. Here's my theory. We're going we're gonna, to, we're, let's lay this on the table. When something has proven to work, keep doing it. And when something has proven to suck, stop. Going to throw that out there on a Friday. Mull it over the weekend. Yeah, maybe, you know, ponder it. Stroke the beard. Think about that one. Okay. That's why, just like on foreign policy, when you're dealing with, with global markets now, and it's not just the West versus the Soviet bloc, you're dealing with global marketplaces now where India might be able to produce a middle class, well, their own version of it, a consumer class. They don't really have much of a middle class. A consumer class large is, that can compete with yours. 
That, that wasn't true 30, 20, 30 years ago. So if we're going to have these, all these various paradigm shifts, you have to shift your own paradigm in response. That's why we don't get into foreign policy termism. I'm totally fine with making Afghanistan the 51st state, conquering it. And just saying, hey, mess with that, and Mecca's gone tomorrow. How you like them apples? Like if you invaded, you know, Delaware. I'm totally fine with that. I thought we should have done that with Iraq. Made it the 51st state. How many years did you hear me say this? Made it the 51st state. I used to say this for years on local radio. Put all our refinery technology over there, pump all the oil out, give the Iraqis the profits because it's their oil, buy off their allegiance with it, let them build their own market-based economy, and we just say to all of our allies that help us conquer this place, oil is capped at $50 a barrel. Everyone else, deal with OPEC. Screw you. How many times have I done that show over the years that you've heard, Todd? You've done it. Hundreds. Hundreds of times I've done this show. Like, I really thought we were actually going to war in Iraq for oil. That's why I was for it. I, I, <laughs> I didn't really believe we thought we were going to uh, bring democracy to the Middle East. I thought we were just telling New York Times that to win the 04 reelect. And then uh, Halliburton trucks were going to, like, roll into Baghdad and start pumping out the, uh, the, the Texas tea. I, th I thought I was all for it. I'm all in. Yeah. That's what conquistadors do. You wanted to reset the that, Beverly that, Hillbillies? That's, right. that's, that's a what, strong pitch. That's, that's what superpowers do. Right? And then if you're with us, you get this on the cheap. And if you're not, well, should have been with us. I'm all in on that. Team America, I like being number one. I'm from the Ricky Bobby school here. If you ain't first, you're last. So everything I'm about to say is because I don't want to lose to communists in Beijing and in Boston. Okay? I don't want to lose to communists in China or on our college campuses and in Congress. But if we keep playing this game, we're going to. And I'm going to explain to you why. So our big theory here is when something works, keep doing it. When it doesn't, don't. So when playing Renacop in, 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 in Kabul proves not to work, two more Green Berets died yesterday, right? Sad. Get the hell out. Tell the Green Berets, either go in there and plant the stars and bars, cave to spider hole, stem to stern, or go home. Man, what are we doing there? Answer, nothing. Drain circling. That's what we're doing. Just getting people killed. That's all we're doing. It's not that it's not a winnable war. We're just not doing what it would take to actually win it. And we don't even know what a win is. So when something works, keep doing it. When it doesn't, get the hell out. The, the problem you always had with this economically is you have to recognize like you do with foreign policy. You're not dealing with regimes that are under the same market forces as your own. And you're not dealing with regimes that are under the same political forces as your own. There's a reason Barack Obama said to Medvedev or whoever that the last time Putin attempted to have a stooge, well, hey, I just let me get past this election and I can do whatever I want. I'll, I'll take things that are never said at the Kremlin for $1,000, Alex. I'll take things that are never said at Shycom headquarters in Beijing. And I'll bet it all Cliff Clavin style 
like he did on that episode of Cheers where he was running the board and then bet it all on postal regulations. Of course, he didn't get the question right, but you know where I'm going with this, right? They're not worried. No one in Beijing is like, you know, uh, the, the people out there in the Western province are, uh, you know, your poll numbers, she are really, they're not even, they don't. They got cattle, they cattle prod their people. They don't pull them. So if you're going to compete with people like that, you cannot leverage them market to market. They just create markets, invent them. Leverage their own people, their chattel. I mean, they're over there killing their own consumers if they're female. If mom shows up and says, hey, we had a second kid, they, and it's a female, they're just killing them. Those could be like their worker bee taxpayer. They're just, you know, erasing them. They don't care. So... We can't be like leftists. We have to accept the world for as it there is. There it is. Not the way we prefer yep. it to be. All right? If, if they're manipulating our currency, that is an act of war. War. Which means you're going to have to leverage them on the geopolitical stage, not the economic one. Because you can't really leverage them on the economic stage. Because they'll just wait you out. They'll cut some sweetheart deal with the next president that comes in and it'll be like, none of this ever happened. And all you did was tax your own people the entire time. Like I said earlier, if tariffs are really punishing the opposition, why did we hold off tariffs for the Christmas shopping season here in the States? That is, oh, that is a clear admission. You're really punishing your own people. Now, I'm not an absolute free trader that just says the Shycoms can just rape us whenever they want. Do whatever they want. I'm not into that. But, but you have to apply leverage where you have pressure. If we've seen one thing from this president over and over again when it comes to foreign policy, since the day he moved that, 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 um, uh, uh, the, uh, the capital and uh, acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital and moved our embassy, from that day forward, he has been a total ballless wimp. He's backed down out of getting out of Afghanistan. He's emaciated himself to humiliating proportions over North Korea. And the Shycoms have been watching this the entire time. And the Shycoms are thinking, dude, North Korea is our redheaded stepchild. Like, we give them the dog food they feed their people. Like, they're like our, they're not even our AAA affiliate. They're like our they're like our single A rookie ball winter league team. And and you're trying to leverage us while you're slurping the freshman team? Why the hell would we be afraid of you up here in the varsity league? You can't even leverage our freshman team. You don't belong here with us. Remember early in his presidency, that first meeting he had with Xi? Two years, all we heard, Shycom, China, this, China, that, stealing our this, that, has one lunch with him at the West with the White House. Remember this? Very nice guy. Very nice guy, great man. Couldn't have loved him more. They're laughing at the narcissism. They think you're ballless, Trump. And you keep proving it to them over and over again. The ranting and raving, you're the president of the United States. Just fire your federal, federal reserve chairman, dude. Just fire him. He works for you. The ranting and ravering for months about Rex Tillerson, just, just fire him. You want to, listen, you want to step to the Shycoms where if, if, if they don't like how some under ministers performs, dude is sleeping in the rice paddy delta, face down 
in 10 minutes. That's how they roll. You want to step to them. You can't just kvetch about your secretary of state on Twitter. Fire his ass yesterday. You want to send a signal of strength to the shy comms? Don't talk about this. I've been my federal debt. Fire his ass. Project. When did we stop believing in peace through strength around here on the right? Someone fill me in on this. When did that, when did that stop becoming an accepted, an accepted conservative doctrine? Why? Because how did I start this conversation? Do what works. Don't do what sucks. Name me a time projecting strength has not worked. Anybody. Can you think of a time in your lifetime it didn't work for us as Americans? That's a good failsafe. Yeah. They don't they 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 all don't hate America because they think we're weak. Right? You don't hate you don't hate the water boy, you pick on him. You hate the guy that you know is better and bigger, tougher and stronger than you. That's the guy you hate. You wonder why Aaron hates your Wisconsin Badger so much? Since I don't have a dog in the fight, I'll say it. Because you guys have stood in their way every time his Hawkeyes have had a chance to take the next step. You've punked his Hawkeyes hard his entire life. That's why he hates your team so much. But I can't figure out is why we still live in Todd's head, but we'll just save that for another time. Okay, but that's why he hates your team so much. True news. Okay? If, 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 if they routinely beat... Why isn't he on here kvetching about Illinois? How much he hates Illinois? Because, I mean, that's a layup, right? That's how it works here, too. We're not projecting any strength at all. We're projecting weakness. We're projecting erraticness. And for a regime that sees this stuff in in decades-long cycles and not every two years when there's an election or every six months when there's a Fox News opinion dynamics poll, that's not how you're going to win this. It's just not. You can't just... That you're not you're not dealing with with trust fund flip boys who you leveraged out of a real estate hotel deal in Manhattan who who had no balls to begin with. And their idea of danger was what if I wore the wrong monogram sweater to Wheaton to, to Wellesley College next week next semester? I'm aghast. What if what if my what if my wife and I picked the wrong cougar to make as our throuple? And then and then we we don't we're, we're and we're mocked on the society pages. What will I ever do? That's the world he comes from. The Shycoms come from the world of uh shoot him. Why? Tuesday. That's the world they come from. Hey, we're pregnant. Is it a girl? Kill it. That's where they're from. Hey, you don't like uh not having habeas corpus? Tanks. How you like them apples? That's where they come from. So you are, if you're going to step to them, man, then you have to be willing to show them you're a threat. We're not a threat to them on any level, except we're the only threat we're, people we're threatening are ourselves. You're paying more. Your tax cut is gone. And when you have such erraticness, markets hate that. And when you've conditioned voters that the economy is good because the stock market is booming and unemployment is low. Well, what happens when, when the markets react to your erraticness and the fact you either won't call it a day and accept, take the L or do what it takes to win? 
I think I can speak for every woman ever listening to this show. There's nothing manly about continuing to do what is clearly losing. All right? That's the Southern Hemisphere talking, and it has started lots of wars and ended lots of cultures thinking along those lines. So if you're not willing to do what can be done to win, or you just simply can't, the reality is, politically, you don't have the standing to do that. No, no, no problem with that. Get the hell out. Back out. Pick a war you can win then. But you're not going to win this this way. Erratic, back and forth. They're not, the Chinese aren't erratic. I don't even know they have that word in their language. They don't have to be erratic. They're just in control. And if you keep forcing this erraticness on these markets and this uncertainty, I can think of about 10,000 ways to respond to the left media trying to create um, recession hysteria. And on none of those, none of those 10,000 ways would be, let me lose my mind like I'm not sane about my Federal Reserve chairman, my chief economic officer, essentially, on Twitter and continue a, a, a trade war I'm not winning and cannot win. Can you guys come up with a few better ways to respond to the left clearly trying to instigate recession hysteria other than helping them instigate recession hysteria with your own erraticness and continuing down a, a rabbit hole that is just a black hole? Can you think you of a few ways that might be better? You, you don't find that logical, Steve? I don't. You hate you America. Don't, you're, you're affirming. Yeah, I know I do. I hate America again, again. Because you can save me all those emails. I don't care. You're not going to intimidate me. You're not going to scare me. If you stop listening, they shut me off. I'm okay with it. I'm about at my last nerve. I've not really held back much from you to begin with, but I've held back a little. I'm at about my last nerve, though, of treating any of you any more like children. Like this woman, Joelle, who has sent me nine emails today, all of them quoting me out of context. I'm sorry, I don't love your monkey as much as you do. Get a better idol next time. I don't want to lose to the communists in the Democratic Party or in the Shycom Party. I don't, I don't want the people doing the 1619 project to have their way, and I doubt Trump even knows what the hell that is. But to keep doing this, we're going to. All right? Keep doing this, we're going to. This sort of, what's the policy? What are we doing? Well, we're kind of in, but then we're going to back it out. They're laughing at us. At this point, Neville Chamberlain-like consistent weakness would be better. Because at least there'd be a plan. There is nothing. There's just, just the randomness is terrible. It's not leveraging anything. It's damaging his own people. Is there anybody over there at 16 Pennsylvania Avenue who cares more about the country than their damn jobs? Or their DC healthcare that'll tell them this? Anybody? Anybody in Congress? Who cares more about the country than their next reelect that will do so? Anybody. This is the point in the marriage ceremony where the pastor famously says, speak now, forever hold your peace. 400 some odd days to the election. Speak now. Or ride the lightning. And then regret later when you watch how the American people respond. Feedback Friday is next. Hey, 
day in America, it is estimated that uh, millions of us are are missing work, uh, just living with what's called chronic pain. And this is pain that comes from too much inflammation in the body, not from an injury. If you got an injury, you know, go see a doctor. But inflammation can happen because other parts of the body have been taxed too much because of that injury or old age or uh, we're just not getting as active as we need to be. And then we start to try and do it. And then uh, the body is still kind of rebelling a little bit because some of that muscle memory has been lost. Whatever the reason is, um, too many of us are struggling with this. And that's why one of my favorite products we talk about here uh, on our show is Relief Factor. I mean, it's just been a huge boost to me uh, as a post-workout for post-workout soreness. You know, I I mean, I was even at the point that my favorite position to sleep with uh, on my side, on my left, the way my mattress and everything contours, it's the most comfortable deep sleep I can get, but that's where my hip flexor injury is. And so the other parts of my body, I'd wake up, my quads, uh, lower back would be strained and sore. Uh, Even after I stretched out my hip flexor, relief factor has just given me relief with all of those things. That's why I can't recommend it highly enough. And you can try it right now for a dollar a day, 20 bucks to try it for three weeks, just a buck a day. What do you have to lose? That's called the starter kit at relieffactor.com. I mean, what do you have to lose except maybe finally, hopefully the pain? 100% drug-free, all natural, four key ingredients. I think I went through, sorry. Uh, four, let me count. One, two, three. Four key ingredients that'll help kick in your body's God-given ability to push back against inflammation, all right? Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Look up the starter kit, dollar a day, three weeks, 20 bucks at relieffactor.com. All right, let's get to some feedback Friday, shall we? Always. And let's start with some lighter fare. All right. If, if the, for nothing else, uh, my blood pressure, my watch is telling me my blood pressure has got to go down a little bit. After the last 40 minutes. Feels like I did a two a days. So I got a second workout in. Um, this is from uh, Patrick who writes, I was going to, I was going to put the subject line in this email. I hate you. But then I figured it might not see the light of the day. Heck, it still might not. But I hate you because I just wasted a couple of hours of my life looking at everything that truly is pumpkin spiced at this time of year. In addition to your typical pumpkin spice, hot chocolates, breads, cookies, pies, etc., here's a list of what's out there if you want to share it. Oh, and I do. All right? So you guys give me a buy or, buy, sell, buy sell. or sell, sell. On, on this pumpkin spice, all right? You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Spam pumpkin spice. We already did that one, right? Mozart chocolate cream pumpkin spice Sell. liqueur. Sell. That doesn't sound good to you at all. Uh, this is, you knew what you were going to get out of this. All right. Chocolate covered pumpkin spice Oreos. Sell. Sell. Uh, come on, Aaron. I had you. No, I was just doing that to tease you. Uh huh. International delight pumpkin pie spice creamer for your coffee. That Sell. could be good. Yeah, they, Aaron, come on. I only drink black coffee. It's sell. Yeah, he's the only real man here. Yeah, Aaron, you know you would like (laughs) it. Sell. Admit it, Aaron, you would like that. I only drink my coffee black. That's not true. Oh, it is definitely true. Okay, I feel like we're kind of doing an Iowa Wisconsin thing here again. Now you guys trying to one up each other. No, this. No, I love how he. I I let it slide. You grind your own beans in your cup before you come in, just to show how black you like it. I I love how last hour he was like, "Yeah, we live rent free inside your head." Literally yesterday, Todd said. That Iowa was on his Mount Rushmore of rivalries. Yeah. Didn't even crack mine. Since I moved here. I didn't know you existed before I moved here. Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. And Patrick admits he's had a few of these and he liked it. Sell. 
So we're still in the coffee world, Steve. Blue Diamond Pumpkin Spice Almonds. Oh, that sounds great. So that sounds really good. Salt and vinegar, wasabi and soy. Not pumpkin spice. Come Ooh, on, man. wasabi and soy. Yes. Yeah. I've had those two. They're actually pretty good. He's right about that. Yeah. Okay. These I've had too. These are good. Pumpkin spice pop tarts. Very good. If you like no. pumpkin pie and stuff, yeah, really good. So just eat pumpkin pie. Okay. This is one of my favorites on the list. And and I'm telling you, they're marvelous. Pumpkin spice, I've talked about them before. Pumpkin spice frosted flakes. Mm. They're incredible. Absolutely mm. incredible. Like they should like this should be like on the dessert menu like a at, at like Fleming's or Ruth Chris. I mean, that's how good these are. They're incredible. We are missing giant marketing up. How are you not the face of something pumpkin spice by now? And how am I not reaping the coattails of said pumpkin spice endorsements? My, I mean, you can't do better than this man. Pumpkin spice frosted flakes, dude. Seriously, like if, if you walked into like a first grade classroom in America in October, kids are like mainlining these things, all right, at recess. That's how good these are. Tony the Steve, Tiger okay? needs to sit his butt down, and Steve. we need to see this man's face on cardboard. Steve soon. is up against the, the armies of, uh, of, a, of an invading alien army, and finally his allies show up behind him, and he says, Avengers! <laughs> And there's like a, a pumpkin spice latte <laughs> yes. right there. Assemble. <laughs> I've not had this. Uh, Special K cereal has a pumpkin spice crunch. Not doing That's it. Cool. These I know are great. My system just won't let me eat them anymore. I loved frosted mini wheats, one of my favorite cereals. I can't eat it anymore. With My, my system's like, nah, that's not going to happen. But they have a pumpkin spice flavor. I guarantee you those are great. Guarantee it. You can eat. I do remember you, the taste of those before I, when I could actually. You can eat yeah. cornflakes, but you can't eat. I cannot mini eat wheats? mini wheats. I can't do it. Wow. And they do like the, those the, are like the little bricks, right? Yeah, and yeah. The, they've got like a blueberry frosted one that is so good, dude. It's so. I've good. had that one. Yeah, uh, Nutra Grain pumpkin spice bars in those. Are, I've had those are good. Yeah. So, um, Lantana pumpkin spice hummus. I no. might uh, no, no. It's pumpkin spice all the things. So I'm in. I'm in. You're not a hummus guy, Doc. I like hummus. I don't know. I that. was when I totally gave up meat for all oh, of that. Right. You saw me eating. That's right. But yeah. I like. See, here's where we live in different worlds. I, that they have that super spicy version. That's my see, jam. The only t- the only type they have at Costco is the cracked red pepper, and I'm I get kind of tired of that pretty quick. All right, we do the rest of these rapid fire because we'll never get to another note if we don't. Okay. Dryer's pumpkin spice latte ice cream. Sell. Sell. Uh, Cal- Califia Farms pumpkin spice coconut cream almond milk. So, buy, what the heck? So, buy hard. Yeah. You're drinking almond milk. I'm like that's 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 the walk hard Dewey Cox story. I would walk to a store for that. All right, almond that's how good milk. that sounds. Pumpkin spice flavored whiskey. Almond milk is good. Pumpkin spice flavored whiskey. That's the first thing I'd try. Okay, this you know is good. If you guys selling this, you're fired. Because so. now you're just trolling me. All right. <laughs> Pumpkin spice pancakes, you know those are good. Come on, man. I would eat. You could that. see that being festive in October. Come I would on. eat. I would eat that. Don't give. Don't bah humbug. I just that. two in a row. All right, you're lucky. Instant oatmeal pumpkin spice. I've had it. It's really good. I'd, I'd eat. That's like I'd, a staple. Yeah, I'd eat that. Kind puts out. You guys like Kind bars? I've had I, them. I, they're they're like my travel staple when I'm traveling on airports and stuff. Kind puts out a caramel almond pumpkin spice bar this time of year. I'd eat that. That sounds good. Yeah, granola pumpkin spice. Yeah. Honey with pumpkin spice. Yeah. Pumpkin spice. Todd, what is happening to you? Well, I mean, now we're He's good. a real American. What's happened to you? I mean, he was in latte land for like a half hour I, there. I could, I could see these being good. Pumpkin spiced Twinkies. So. No. 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 
Snyder's pretzel pieces, pumpkin spice. So, now, I just wanted the record to re- reflect that so. I sold on more <laughs> pumpkin spice items than Todd did. Yeah, the record That's is true. recorded that you That's are true. a hater. Yes. Pumpkin spice popcorn? Sell. So. Sell. So. Why is that any different than caramel popcorn to you? I'm selling on that too. <laughs> Real popcorn, salt, butter. That's like one of the most hardcore things I've ever produced. <laughs> I'm selling a caramel popcorn. You pushed me to it. Listen, the ways you'll break a man. I listen. I've pushed this audience far enough today. Now you're selling on caramel corn. Time to have to spend in my For goodness sake, man. About somebody's got to watch this on Monday. It's just dessert. It's at the end of a meal. It's not the main thing. We just talk about it. Talk about it. Can't take it anymore. Were there's original pumpkin spice soft <laughs> no. caramels? Although Holy you know those cow. are good. You know no. those are good. No. Yeah, those are good. Chobani Greek yogurt pumpkin spice blend. That's good yogurt, by the way. It is good stuff. Yeah. This one pushes my limits of pumpkin spice, all the things. All right, but I, I, I'm going to follow in the lead of our uh, dear leader in the White House, and I'm going to stick with an idea, even when it's proven to not necessarily be good. All right? Oscar Mayer pumpkin spiced bologna. Oh, I thought you were going to say pumpkin spice tariffs, but... <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin spice all the tariffs. How about that, Steve? And, and, pumpkin spice all the tariffs. And same. you want to go down the, the rabbit hole, put tariffs on pumpkin spice. I feel like that moment in the Master of My Domain episode of Seinfeld where Costanza just walks in, I'm out! I feel like that just happened, all right? Uh, ready to bake pumpkin rolls like those orange rolls? Oh, Sell. you know those are good. Sell. Those are good. Sell. Nah, you guys are terrible people. Uh, pumpkin spice pizza. Sell. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick, for bringing some levity no. to today's program. Never Not right. to mention, yeah. never write again, you're Patrick. You're of immense and um, uh, peculiar and yet admirable taste. Don't play in a ditch, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was too late. (laughs) All right, let's get to some more of your notes. Barbara Horn uh, writes, I love you all, but after two years, the new car smell is wearing off. You lasted here for two years? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Uh, And Steve, I suggest you Google your net worth because when I do, I'm getting anywhere from six million upwards. I'm happy for you and seriously hope there is more to come, but you have us thinking you are just doing all right. Your net worth is six mil? I'm not. Come on, worth man. Six million dollars, guys. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There was need, a thing we, written about you. We need to have a meeting. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not even worth, you know, I, I, I guess if you took my home value and all the life insurance that both my, my, uh, uh, my board of directors to my own company and my wife has on me, you could get to a million if you did all that. Did you right. make a lot more wagering on the football games no, yeah, last I, fall than you let on? I, I don't, I don't no. think you made. Did you make a penny on that? Uh, on actual wagers no, last year? No. This is the first year that I'm I'm I'm, tr- I'm going to seek the ROI on my own homework. This is the first year. So, but uh, no, I'm not. I, I'm not poor by any means. Okay, I'm just. I'm not rich. You guys know where I live. Am I? Am I a rich man? Uh, well, I didn't yeah, think da, so. Da, no. da, 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 da. No, fiddler on the this all been a facade (laughs) the whole time. No, I'm not rich, but thank you. You just exhausted me with pumpkin spice, and I just can't even stand up to this. (laughs) This 
controversy. Michelle writes, my husband and I worked on the Ted Cruz campaign in North Carolina, our home state, and even traveled to South Carolina where we saw you speak. It's my belief that anyone would have won against Hillary, including Ted Cruz. My husband says that he would have been smeared even worse than Trump was, and there was no way he would have won. He said, I should ask you your thoughts. Well, if you go back to the 2016 election, let's start with the data, shall we? Republicans outperformed Donald Trump nationwide. Uh, when you look at the aggregate of the Senate and congressional races, they actually performed better than Donald Trump. Let me give you an example. In, in Florida, Marco Rubio got 200,000 more votes in his Senate election than Donald Trump received in the presidential election. In a state, Trump won. That, that just shouldn't happen. Okay? You're, you just don't outperform the guy at the top of the ticket to that extent. If you're a popular incumbent in a down-ballot race and you've got a, you, you've got a less than optimal nominee at the top, you can survive if people really, really like you. But not to the tune of 200,000 more votes. Can I put that number in perspective for you, uh, Michelle, for you and your husband? The, the 200,000 more votes in Florida that Marco Rubio received in his Senate race in 2016 than Trump received in the presidential race is nearly three times Trump's total margin of victory in the Electoral College. Because the, the states that decided the Electoral College, those three states, he won them by fewer, slightly less than 78,000 votes. So it's at least two and a half times, almost three times, not quite. But Marco Rubio won Florida, got more votes in Florida, three, almost three times more votes in his Florida Senate race than Donald Trump did, than Donald Trump's margin of victory that won him the Electoral College. So there is no data to support what your husband believes. I'm sorry, there, there's just no data to support that. In fact, all the data says opposite. The data actually points to opposite. Now, I do think there's data that supports that um, the Trump campaign and his message made, made states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania more winnable than they've ever been for Republicans before, in, 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 in decades. And the fact that he won both those states by those scant narrow margins is the data, right? So here's where I would agree with your husband. And, and you're not going to smear anybody more than you come up with a tape with them saying on video, because I'm rich and famous, I get to grab women's private parts when they want. What possible smear would they have more than the way he's, I mean, they didn't smear him. He smeared himself. He's the one that dropped the, that one Mexican judge. In fact, the times they tried to smear him, do you guys remember we watched that press conference when Gloria Allred brought forth those women claiming, you know, Trump groped him? You guys remember that? We watched that? Yeah. The stuff that they tried to smear him with, none of it stuck. Right? They did try to smear him. None of it worked. All of the stuff that hurt him was the stuff he did himself. When he did the interview with the one Mexican judge, where he went, did the interview with Billy Bush, hey, when you're rich and famous like me, even though I'm, you know, 9,000 years old, I get to grab hot models by the hoo-ha, and they love it, and they smile. Ha-ha, it's funny. These weren't smears. He said these things. He did this, these things to himself. They tried to smear him like mad. All of it failed. I mean... They, it wasn't a smear that he slept with Stormy Daniels and paid her off. It, it, it's a fact. None of their smears worked. None of the stuff they tried to smear him with worked. The stuff that hurt him were the things that he actually did. 
Okay. So I now where I would agree with your husband is I do think another Republican, even a Cruz, who wasn't your conventional would not have been a conventional GOP nominee, but not as unconventional as Trump. I do believe a lot of them would have won. It just would have looked different. Here's what I mean by that. They, they might not have won. Uh, they might not have won a Pennsylvania and a Wisconsin both. But they also would have performed. They also would have won Nevada. Colorado, places where Trump drove Hispanic votes in those states up to historic levels with his incendiary commentary like one Mexican judge. And no, being pro-border security and anti-amnesty doesn't drive up Hispanic votes. That's just not true. All right? In fact, outside of a couple of those states, the, the percentage of votes that were Hispanic compared to 2012 was lower in 2016. <laughs> All right? So states where Republicans have been able to win often recently, Colorado and Nevada, are places where I think a Ted Cruz would have won and compensated for some of those other places. So I think it would have looked different, but it, they still would have won because the number one driving force in why Donald Trump is president is the Democrats nominated Hillary Clinton. Number one driving force. And I go back to your home state of Wisconsin. The best data point that points that out is there were 20,000 fewer black votes out of Milwaukee County in 2020 than there was in 2012 and, and eight. And Trump won that state statewide by about 24,000 votes, which means those black voters that went out and voted for Obama twice and didn't vote for, vote for Hillary were about 90% of his margin of victory in that state. So the number one driving force for Trump's, I didn't, did I say it was his only driving force? Is that what I said? No. No. Did I give him credit that he did craft a narrative that allowed him to yes. win some states he, that it, some of these other guys probably could not have won? Correct. Okay, I did all that. But, but there's, it's just not even debatable. The number one driving force was Hillary Clinton. Now, how far it was number one, that can be debated. Some of us might think that it was up here and, and what he did was down here. You might think it's here. You might think it's here. That can all be debated. No one can debate Hillary being number one is the number, or Hillary is the number one factor. Can't debate that. You're just lying to yourself if you do. So there's, there's, with all due respect to your husband, Michelle, I don't think there's any data to support his conclusion. I don't. And in fact, the, 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 the fact that Republicans outperformed him nationwide is an indicator that he was a drain on his own potential support. He did end up winning the suburbs, but by lower margins than a Republican president typically would in that part of the country. And he just, and he lost them nationwide in the House races. That's why the Democrats are in control of the House now. They want all these uh, suburban swing districts that traditionally have, have tilted right. So hope that answers your question. We're going to stick around and do some best and worst of the week over time for our Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com slash Dace if you want to subscribe so you don't miss this and all the other exclusive content at Blaze TV. For the rest of you, have a great weekend. Football season is here. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.